Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. This week's episode features Herrick Holt with a message on the church. Such a glorious morning to be with you. I was deeply impressed by the meeting last night in the afterglow. It seemed that as you commune with the people after the meeting, that same glow that was in the meeting followed you even till the time you put your head down to go to sleep. So wonderful that the Spirit of God will do that and to allow his presence to be with us the way it has been. You dear people that have come from far to be with us, we pray that the many needs that have come into your life shall be met, that God will be with you. You can drink of this life constantly. It's a glorious experience. There is, I don't know anything that compares to it. I walked with God for 50 years. And there is no way that I want to go back to the early days. The days when I was so full of vim and vinegar and not much leading of God, a head full of plans and ideas, but it's more wonderful to walk in this realm, that rest that God speaks of, where a man ceases from his own labor as God did his. There is in the earth today so many things to entangle your feet, But there is one also in the earth who is the agent of life and he can bring that life to you regardless of where you are or what you're doing. I'm I'm delighted above all things that I share in this great body of believers. Though insignificant in part, that matters not I have a little small part of the anatomy that gives me trouble. And I have to cater to it. When I see that sumptuous lemon pie four inches high, I look the other way. That's right, I do. Not because I want to. I might even lick around the fringes if nobody was looking. But I know that I have to comply with the weakness that I have encountered. Still, I am not daunted by weakness in that direction because the years have rolled by and I have found a source of unexplainable joy and unexplainable comfort to me. I have found in one His name is Jesus who excels above all other names of the earth. There is nothing that has marked the course of the human race like this man, Jesus. I had desired to talk to you about the early days of the church. 
You see, I am fully convinced in my own heart. You may say I'm biased. I've always been biased in many things. And it will take a great revelation to change this bias. I believe the church triumphant will be entirely different to anything that you've ever seen. I don't think she carries anything of the likeness of the mannequin that has been made in some religious form, sterile in itself, unable to, to, to be touched by that tremendous inflow of his grace. Men who have never known the tremendous levels of learning of this day not never been in the schools that are all around us that can take you men like it has. For I am speaking to men here who so excel me in knowledge. But I know from these academic levels you have achieved great heights. But I take comfort in the passage of scripture that I want to read to you this morning. Of a motley crowd that saw the greatest visitation known in the history of all of mankind. I constantly walk through the corridors of history. I have walked over the lands of the giants of the past. I have followed Charmaine. I have followed the Neros and the Caesars. I have dealt into their lives and to their customs. I have loved every moment of being indulging in these things. But this crowd this day that, that is found in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles little knew what they were going to see. They were very ordinary. What an ordinary crowd, I thought to myself. These men had never gone to any school possibly whatsoever. Possibly never able to write their own name. They'd seen the life of Jesus. They'd watched it. The twelve had walked with him. And this twelve apostles are are a very peculiar group. They took neither script nor extra clothing. They were admonished not to put money in their purse when you go. But just go wherever I send you and I will care for you. Exclusive in themselves. They've never been added to to this day. But when the Holy Spirit came, he started to set up another group of men. And he just changed the entire system. And it's all recorded there. Jesus taught fantastic things. Things that when you read them and you hear his words... You will be lifted right out of the gray of today. You cannot read the teaching of this man and stay in the gray. No way whatsoever. You could never be a miser and walk with this man. You could never put great stock in your ability or your wealth and be with him. He's the lonely Jesus of Nazareth. But he came born in a peculiar way. Clothed with humanity, though he was deity. 
But I am glad that these men witnessed over 500 at one time saw him after his resurrection. And many saw him in the ascension when he took took mortal bodies right into the heavenlies. Not the one he came, but he took ordinary mortality and lifted it right straight into the heavenlies. And allowed it to sit down by his father in the eternal throne. You may, that may have escaped you in the reading. But it wasn't deity that rose that day. It was deity in the incarnation. Clothed in the same kind of things that I am clothed. But he showed something different after it was resurrected. He could eat. He could touch. He could feel. He could see. He could do all the things that you can do. A tremendous change. But if that was the end of the story of the great event of God, I would have to, I would have to bow my head in deep sorrow and wish that I had been born in the year 1000. I mean, the year one that I might have seen him. But Noah, here I am 2000 years later nearly. And this is the day history has marked. When they finished strapping him and they've taken the, uh, the flagellum and tore his body asunder and dropped him down to the slab at the foot of that marble column where they'd hung him. And they then mocked him by putting, oh how stupid can men be? How is it that deity could stand in my presence or your presence and you not observe him? How could that ever be? My heart leaps with joy. The other night, it seemed, it troubled me all night, practically. It seemed that I saw him the time that they were Driving that nail in his hand and his face came so clear, the terrible agony of it, as they worked that nail through the sinews of his hand. And I thought, oh, I would have loved him. I'm sure I would have loved him. I wouldn't want to be clothed with the livery of heaven or the fine mitres of the religious crowd. Neither would I want the sweeping robes of the clergy And stand and mock such a man as Jesus of Nazareth. I would want to be like that Cyrene, that man from Libya. That the general called him out from the crowd and said, take his cross, take his cross. Carry it for him. For he was staggering under the load. And he wasn't to die on that particular pathway. So they put the, this cross upon this man and he staggered along with Jesus. I would gladly have borne that cross, I'm sure. Fifty years I've made a tremendous impression. Fifty years have written upon the oracle, his oracles upon the tables of my heart. And if I were deprived of the holy writ, so that my eyes could no longer peruse its course, I would have found in the depths 
and the catacombs of my heart, the truths that have been lodged there by reading and by experience and by the ministry of countless thousands. I would delve into their realms, into the treasury, and stimulate my life. But this group of men that I talking about were very ordinary. The most ordinary of this crowd this morning would look like the elite in comparison to that crowd. Many of them, their hands were gnarled like the burl on a tree from tending the nets by which they earned their livelihood. The tar of the nets filling the every line and every grain of the hand. Many times their body had the alkali covering of the lakes as they often stripped right down when the spray was heavy. They were suntanned upon suntan upon suntan. Their Bodies were rugged and strong. Nothing that you would anticipate that God would pick. You would have thought he would have gone over to Rome or to Athens and gone to the school of Plato or gone to these, some, some of these great academies, men of tremendous learning. But these men had no plume of rhetorics. They had no ability in debate. They weren't schooled for the audience at all. They were just ground by the emery of time. They had, they knew what it was, the struggle of life. Then one day came this stranger and went down to the seaside and he called them. Call the twelve, or part of the twelve. And I want to read what this one said. I want you to hear it. The day of Pentecost had come. Jesus at this time had risen from the dead, and he stayed around 40 days, talked to them, showed them what it was like to live in a resurrected body, And then he said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And those men, I am sure, and women included, they would not have the slightest idea what was going to happen. And when they were in that upper room that day, the tremendous thing happened. I am glad the Holy Spirit has come. If you have never been filled with God's Holy Spirit and somehow you have some theological barrier because maybe of your background, I want you to know there is an infilling of the Holy Ghost that comes within the human frame and empowers them and energizes them. He takes a hold of their memory. He takes a hold of their intellect. 
He can show you in, in a flash more than you can learn in a lifetime. He is capable of, re, of recall. He can bring to the mind things that you cannot uh, begin to understand. You have been touched by the Spirit of God when you are converted. And the Holy Spirit has touched you. But he is, he is visiting you externally, which influences, influences you also internally. But when he comes to make his abide within the human body, like God said he would do, on the day of Pentecost that day, little known to this people, the Holy Spirit fell, and he fell with such an impact the building shook under the, the invasion of his power. And all the people sitting around the room, 120 of them, the Holy Spirit rested upon them in cloven tongues as a fire. And these men, learning only maybe in one language, at the best two, unlettered, with no ability whatsoever, there's nothing to distinguish them. Not like Paul. Maybe Luke, but he was numbered with the twelve. But when the Holy Ghost fell upon that crowd that day, little were they aware that the mighty unction of God had started for the first time in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was to roll over the centuries like a gigantic ocean. And from 120, we have in the earth today about, I would say, doing a little mental arithmetic. I would say that they, they have cataloged, even while I am standing here, the known... In infillings by the baptism of the Spirit that run into around about 40 to 50 million people. Twice the population of Canada. It has swept over every barrier. The Pentecostal church that was born in the time of the Azusa Street invasion has continued to roll and roll like the waves of the sea rising to great pinnacles and then falling back to their low tides. But it's come in the last days and I'm glad I shared in a part of that last day I was there to see the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I watched the latter rainers take it. I grieve when they took it. And run with this message. And indiscriminately did things that the Spirit of God told us not. But he took advantage. It went from there to a lot of different groups. The Jesus people were among the groups of many others. And in the latter time it has fallen into what they call the charismatic or the gift group. It seems to dwindle somewhat in order. But that group has made the greatest invasion 
into the Roman Catholic Church that's ever touched it from day one till now. Nothing could have got inside of that. That was a closed door. That touched everything from the top of the Vatican all the way down to the outer reaches of the clergy. And you can find when they can gather, if they were to call a gathering in one of their great arenas of the United States, they could easily amass a congregation of 60,000 to 70,000 of their clergy alone. They will testify what I am testifying about today, that the baptism in the Holy Ghost is an indwelling person that lives with immortality once again, to change, to make revolution, to change it away from the earthly, and to create it so we can enter into the heavenly. And if by the tremendous empowering of his spirit, I could walk from terra firma into the celestial. You listen to this account. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting. And it could have been you. I hope it is you again. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like of a fire and sat upon them. Now listen a little further. And the 14th verse, the second chapter. And Peter standing up here as an unlearned man. Nothing, nothing we have of records. And I have strolled around the records of the first century, second century, and the third century for many, many months. Peter standing up with the eleven. This is a common saying because that's an exclusive apostolic group. That never changed. The, the apostolic group of the Holy Ghost went into many, many figures. And Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these men are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel 400 years previously or 500 years ago. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servant and on my handmaiden, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy this company of people are a testimony uh, to this very scripture which Peter was quoting last night, within your, within my hearing I heard you prophesy a guarantee that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is an absolute fact. You are a guarantee of the resurrection of Jesus. You are a guarantee of the ascension of Jesus. 
You are a guarantee of the promise that the Father said to Jesus he would send the Comforter. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vaporous smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's an open testimony, an open message to any unsaved person in this building. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't need to stay in your sins. Your sins have been cared for by that ignominious death of the Son. Now he's sending a freedom. He's sending an indwelling of his own presence into your very life so you don't have to fight against all your evil things. Ye men of Israel, the speaker carries on. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did by him in the midst of you. As ye yourselves also know, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David spake concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt have not leave thy soul in hell, my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the way of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy. With thy countenance, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this, therefore, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul should not be left in hell, neither his flesh did seek corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being at the right hand of God, exalted, Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he said himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. You families that have these far off ones, the promise is unto them. Not just salvation. That is so wonderful. I don't want to uh, cry it down. But the infilling of the Holy Spirit can make salvation so alive. It empowers you. Instead of you trying to be a Christian, He creates a new man within you that becomes what God wants. He turns away human selfish ambitions and puts in the mind of the living God. And with many other words, He did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his words were baptized, and the same day they were added unto the church, unto them about three thousand, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. I want you to know this. Let it be the end of argument. Let it be the end of, of the searching that goes on if there is no apostolic ministry there is no church Father let that sink deep into human heart if there is no apostolic ministry then the entire revelation the the Pauline epistles that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus that was already born, and the 2,000 other churches that, uh, throughout Mesopotamia that, that uh, Thomas, who had gone over to India and, and laid a foundation also in Mesopotamia. Paul, writing to this little group in Ephesus, he said concerning uh, these apostles, and I shall read it for you, because if this isn't true, then nothing is true. Wherefore I also, after that I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being open, these are spiritual eyes, seeing things that are unseeable and hearing things that cannot be heard. Eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches of is the glory of His inheritance in the sight, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him up from the dead. 
and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Listen to this. Far above all principalities and powers and might and dominions and every name that is named matters nothing who they are. Every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And I put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's, that's a position that never changes. He will be on, the only chief of the church. And then still writing in the same church, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high and led captivity captives, he gave unto men, gifts unto men. Right in the ascension time, when there he was standing on terra firma and all of a sudden the great powers of God lifted him heavenward, so all of gravity, the force of gravity ceased. Taking up the body, the human body, into the heavenlies. Now that he ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also which ascended far above all heaven that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, not for the plastic church, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.